Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Murder Chronicles. I'm your host, Carolyn Osorio. You're listening to episode 52, The Clown. Wellington, Florida is an upper-class enclave of Palm Beach County, a backdrop of beauty, where it was possible for the privileged to experience paradise every single day of their lives, if they chose to. Bill Gates and Bruce Springsteen have had residences in Wellington, and in 1990, so did a married couple named Michael and Marlene Warren. At the time, Marlene was 40 years old and Mike was 37. They'd been married for 18 years and were living in their dream home, which they'd built two and a half years before, in a very unique neighborhood called the Arrow Club. The community was resplendent, with magnificent homes surrounded by a sea of bright green, lusciously manicured lawns. I say the neighborhood was unique because it was considered a private nautical community, which meant that the residents' backyards, these sprawling lots, were connected by an airstrip, which allowed members to taxi their small airplanes to this private runway. And within minutes, they were up and off for adventure. From the outside looking in, the Warrens appeared to be living a very charmed life, one that they'd worked really hard for. In fact, they were still working hard. Yes, they were rich, but they weren't living a life of leisure, which meant they were friendly with their neighbors, but they weren't part of a larger social scene there because they were working. The marriage was Mike's first, but not Marlene, who'd been married before when she was really young. By the time she was 20, she'd had two children, which ultimately Mike would raise as his own. The Warrens had two thriving businesses. Bargain Motors, which sold used cars and also enjoyed a robust business of renting cars, but it was a cutthroat business. Super competitive, and Mike loved every minute of it. He was the king of Bargain Motors, and he worked seven days a week, building the business that he'd started five years before. And Mike was a natural salesman. If you sat down and you was to meet Mike at a dinner, in 30 minutes, Mike would have your pants and your shoes. You'd give them to him. This is how he can charm you. That's a former employee of Mike's, and you'll hear from many others who worked closely with the Warrens during that time. Marlene was a great mom. Everyone loved her. She was friendly with a sweet personality, but she was no slouch. Marlene managed their real estate business with the help of her 21-year-old son, Joey. Since the late 1970s, the couple had amassed a portfolio of rental properties residing outside the more rarefied air of Wellington. Whether a rental property is out in Westgate, a lot of people don't have money, you know, and they, they are late on the rent or they can't pay the rent or they, 
got laid off and they have two or three kids, you know. Marlene was very, very understanding that way. Marlene was the type of person that if you call her and your plumbing was plugged up, if she couldn't get someone there, she'd go there and try to fix it. That's how she was. It was another gorgeous day in Wellington on May 26, 1990, and Marlene was at home with her son, Joey, and three of his friends who'd spent the night. Mike, as per usual, had left the house earlier that morning. He always started off his day at Bargain Motors, just to make sure everything was up and running the way it should be. But he had mid-morning plans to meet up with his friends at the car lot, and then together they would drive to Miami to watch one of his three horses at the racetrack. Marlene had wanted to go, but she needed to collect rents and deal with a leak at one of the properties. So it was just before 11 that morning. Joey and Marlene were finishing up breakfast. One of Joey's friends was lounging in the living room, which faced the front door. The friend saw a new white Chrysler LeBaron pull up in the driveway. He yelled out to Marlene that someone was at the door. And I looked at the door and I seen someone try to push the, the uh, bell door, you know, try to ring the bell. And I said, Marlene, somebody's at the front door. Marlene went to the door and was met by a surprise. A person stood before her dressed as a clown in full regalia. Fuzzy red hair, big bulb nose, costume, makeup, the whole nine yards. I looked right at him. All it was was a clown outfit. Big red wig, big old red nose, white and red outfit. It looked to you like he had a mask or did it look like it was painted? His face was painted? It looked like it was painted. How tell. tall would you say the clown was? About six foot. How much would you say the clown weighed? About 185, because he was pretty chubby. Okay, and he had red hair, red clown hair on, yes. bushy type? Yeah, bushy. And the red nose, and it appeared that it was painted on, right? Yes. Okay, so you, you saw the guy at the door dressed in the clown outfit. The clothing that he was wearing, the clown outfit he was wearing, do you remember anything about it? Colors or? It was just white and red. It looked like hearts or diamonds or something. It was all white with red spots all over it. In one white-gloved hand, the clown silently held out two foil balloons. A red one was emblazoned with, you're the greatest. In the other gloved hand, the clown held out a basket of flowers. Marlene loved clowns. In fact, her childhood home had a clown-themed room. Clown statues and assorted tchotchkes. Marlene's mother had collected some serious clown paintings too, which included a picture that Marlene herself had painted of a clown when she was just a teenager. So when Marlene answered the door and saw the clown silently standing there with a basket of flowers and balloons, she was happy. As Joey, her son, headed toward his mother at the front door, he was close enough to hear her exclaim, How pretty! Was she thinking that Mike had surprised her with a romantic gesture? Marlene reaches out for the flowers and balloons. Then, silently, the clown pulled out a gun, points it at Marlene's face, and pulls the trigger. Joey says he heard a bang, then he saw his mother fall to the ground, taking in what this clown has done to her, the wound to her face. She was gasping for air. He left her side to follow the clown, who'd left the balloons and flowers behind and was calmly walking toward the white Chrysler LeBaron. Joey would get close enough to the clown to notice the only one recognizable human feature. The person had brown eyes. The clown clothing himself, uh, what type of clothes was it? Do you remember color? Black boots. What type of boots? Black army. Did it look a little odd, him wearing black boots like that with that suit? Or? No. no. Sometimes you see clowns and they got those big feet and this guy didn't have that. No. You say he, was, he had gloves on too? 
equal color. Remember anything uh, particularly unusual about this clown costume, like a big uh, bow around his neck or uh, anything at all? Long, real long, tall guy. You said you looked at his eyes and they were like a dark brown color. Right. Can you tell if he was a white male or a black male? But did you see any eye skin or anything? Definitely a male, though. It wasn't a female. Joey and his friend try to get a license plate number, but the tags have been removed. Thinking quickly, he runs inside the house to get his mom's keys. He has to catch the person who just shot his mother. Meantime, one of Joey's friends calls 911. Did you, after the shooting occurred, have anything to do with calling for the police? Yes, I called. You initially? You were the one who first called? I am the one who called. You called what, 911? 911. You spoke to the sheriff's office then? Mm-hmm. I talked to a lady. She said she was from the sheriff's office. What did you tell her? Told her that uh, my man got shot and we needed an ambulance in the sheriff's office out here real quick. Told him the name of the car. Description? Description of the car. And she told me if I needed CPR, which I didn't. And that's all we said on the phone. Joey returns home. He wasn't able to catch up to the clown. And he frantically calls Bargain Motors, looking for his stepdad. Here's the employee who answered Joey's call that day. I received the phone call from his son. I got the, the mobile phone number from Ron. Gave it to Mike's son over the phone. And then basically we all just kind of sat around and waited handle the business as it came in. The son told you that Mike's wife had been shot? Yeah. What did he say? Um, he was hysterical, and he said, is, is my dad there? My mom's been shot. Mike was halfway to Miami when he got the call from Joey on the car phone when he learned that his wife, Marlene, had just been shot in the face by a clown. Of course, Mike instantly turned around and raced to the hospital to be at his wife's side. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Later that day, Mike was asked to come down to the police station for an interview. The date is 5-26-90. Time is 3-18 p.m. This will be a, a tape statement reference case number 90-112-660. Statement being taken in the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office Detective Bureau. With me in the interview room is a Michael Kenneth Warren. White male date of birth 7-23-52. Detectives try to establish rapport. The reason that you're here today is mainly we wanted to get some background on your wife, see if there's anybody in her past that may have come back to haunt her or uh, want her to harm her in any way. I can't think of nobody that would want to harm her. How long have you all been married? When I started dating her when I was 16 years old. Got married. We've been married over 20 years. Remember what year you got married? No, sir. Mike was asked if his wife had any enemies that he could think of. I was asking my son the same thing. He said a couple people, but he didn't think they'd be that angry. I mean, you know, she takes care of the apartments, and she's always doing eviction, but that's just normal. I mean, mm-hmm. not enough to... Are you involved, or is she involved in any kind of civil suit right now? Maybe. Nothing that I can think of. I would know it, but no. You know if your wife had any uh, life insurance? I think we both have life insurance that we purchased 10 years ago, and I don't even know if it's even, if she kept the payments up on it or not. No what company that was doing? No, I don't. Remember how much it was for? No, that I don't either. 
Midway through the interview, detectives got to the point. Anybody would gain from her death? Nobody I can think of. What type of relationship did you and, and your wife have? I have never loved anybody as much as I've ever loved her in my life. You got along well? Always got along well. You always have your ups and downs, but, you know, we've been together 20 years. You have a lot of uh, fights at all? I know me and my wife argue a lot. The only thing that we ever argue about is that she wished I wasn't working so much. I work seven days a week. Yeah, it paid off in a nice big house out there. Yeah. You don't work. You're not going to get it. The only other thing she ever complained about was, was that she hated working at the apartments all the time. She took care of that, and I guess they got her down from time to time. But she worked a lot, too. I mean, That wouldn't be an easy job. No, care of all the no, it's not. How many apartments y'all have? Jeez. Just guessing, 30. How much do you think that would be money-wise if he was a seller off? Probably pretty good child cash. Mike shares with detectives what he was doing the morning of the shooting. What time did you leave the house this morning? You stayed there last night. I yeah, I leave every morning about 8 o'clock, quarter day. And you left this morning at that time? Same time. Where did you go from after you left the house? Straight to work. Which work? Over there at Oregon. Carla? Uh-huh. So you would have got at work about what time? 20 after 8. Left around 8-ish or quarter of Yeah. What, did, you, did you stay at the business all day? All day. Yeah. Until probably left about 11 15, 1120, because uh, Mr. Bush demanded that drove me over here. Him and I and his friends were traveling to Miami. What were you going to Miami for? Horse racing. Mike says that he invited Marlene to come with him to the track with his buddies and that she'd wanted to go, but she had had that work at the rentals. Which brings up another point. It seemed more likely than not that the killer had to have had some kind of inside information because on that specific Saturday morning, Marlene was still home at 11 a.m., which usually wasn't like her. Saturdays, Marlene was always out of the house early to collect rents. Did your wife know you were going to be going? I tried to talk when you're going with us. And How was she this morning? She was really good at that. Detectives get down to brass tacks. They ask him if he'd been cheating on his wife. They'd already heard rumors. Well, she always suspicioned me ever since we were married. So I always worked seven days ever since I was 11 years old. I think that's just a natural suspicion. Because you're gone all the time, she thought you had another girl. Well, she never, I don't think she ever thought I had another girl. She always used to ask me, you sure you don't have another girlfriend? And I always say, no, honey, I don't have any other girlfriend. Did you ever actually fight over that? No. Over the years, have you ever fooled around in your life? Let's say, yeah. Recently, have you fooled around in your life? No. Within the last year? No. When were you say the last time? I don't honestly know that. Okay. that a couple years ago? Or oh, a while ago? Was that, was that? Here in West Palm Beach? Probably. Well, what we're trying to get at is possibly a disgruntled ex-girlfriend of yours maybe uh, had a reason to help her out of the way. I can't think of that. Was there a particular girl who you saw here? No. This person you flew around with or were you talking one night thing? Just one night thing. There was no steady relationship with anyone else? No steady relationship. Investigators ask him to name his employees, which he does but he fails to include a woman named Sheila Keene, who assists him with the repossessions of vehicles from clients who are behind on their payments. Are you having an affair with Sheila? No. Are you sure about that? I'm sure about that. Again, detectives push Mike. They tell him that they've been told that he was having an affair with 27-year-old Sheila Keene. 
you understand that, that at this point, whether or not you have an affair with somebody it doesn't matter. is I immaterial. I understand that. It's just something to go on. Well, it's something to look at. And the fact is that we've had it indicated to us in more than one way that you and Sheila were having an affair. No, no affair. And obviously, we want to know the truth. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Detectives also inquire about Mike's relationship with Sheila's estranged husband, Richard. The pair had separated nine months before, and Mike knew Richard well, because he too had repoed cars for him. That's how he'd first met the husband and wife. Last time you saw him, did you, were you on good terms, or yeah. was he out to get you? No, it's just, just quit talking. This over uh, Sheila? I don't know. He's the one quit talking. Is that what you think happened? He's he's a weird person. He's, just that, you know, I, no, I, I can understand. You know, you're that. hearing these rumors that he's thinking something between you and Sheila, and all of a sudden he stops talking well, to you. That I don't know if it's reasons because of, of Sheila or if it's just reasons. If you ever talk to him, he's not he's not mentally right. You think you could be the guy that hurt your wife? I honestly don't know. I don't know what reason he would have to hurt her. Maybe if he thinks he, uh, that you're fooling around with his wife. That's a possibility. Can you describe him to him? Physical he's, description. About six one and a half. Mm -hmm. Probably weighs about one hundred ninety five pounds. It's interesting, though, the way Mike discusses his concerns over Richard's mental health. How he can't be sure that maybe Richard was somehow involved in his wife's murder. Because when police would speak to Sheila the next day, she expressed concern too. But I don't know if my husband had anything to do with that. But it worries me that he might have. Have you ever threatened to kill you? Obviously, he never, he just, you know, talked about our little boy because I told him that I wanted custody and he said no way. He said that, that he would make sure that I would die before he had a custody of him. Why would Richard kill Mike's wife? I don't know. That's why I can't figure out, you know, that if, if he did have something to do with it, you know, I mean, why would he just kill Mike? You know, that's what I said to myself. That seems more logical. Or, we got your or, or you. Right. Yeah, or you. Well, he's hoping that I'm going to come back home because he's, you know, that's one reason why he won't give me divorce because he keeps calling, you know, since he wants me to come back home. Even though detectives are there to interview Sheila about the murder of Marlene, she keeps steering the conversation back towards her estranged husband. Does Rich have a clown costume anymore? Have you ever seen him with one? No. You ever seen one up at the business, the bargain auto sales or anything? Or no. They made a use for grand opening there? Mm -hmm. No, not at all. You don't have one, right? No, no. I haven't got one. Who do you live with there at Sable Pine? I live by myself. Just you and your son? Yeah. Do you have any other boyfriends or anything? No. Come and go. Is there somebody you've been seeing? We don't care. As no, far as no, I've been, you know, like that's what my husband says. That I just, you know, I want to get rid of him first. Sheila's interview that day would be cut short after she's asked if she'll give her fingerprints. A few days later, they were able to get Sheila to come back, but they explained that she was free to leave at any time, that she wasn't under arrest. That's when they asked her what she'd been doing the morning of the shooting. Sheila claimed that she was repoing cars by herself, but she didn't get any cars that day. Did you, know, you talk to anybody down there? No. Yeah, there was some guys or somebody stand out, you know, on the corner that they were Mexican. They could have been no comprende. <laughs> okay, so I just, you know, rode around the block to see if maybe they was parking it. 
What kind of car were you looking for in point? Oh, God. I don't know. I think it was a Datsun, Nissan, Toyota, something like that. I don't know. You know the location of which street in Blaine? I think it was North. North something, 13th or 14th, I don't know. I could, you know, get the paperwork. You didn't find that car, and then what did no. you do next? Went back to my house. Got in, in between, you went back to your house each time. <laughs> yeah. Why do you keep going back to your house? Well, first time I went back to eat. You're hungry. <laughs> Second time I went back to get some clothes, because I was on my way to Indian Town to pick up my son. What were you wearing before you went back to get clothes? Oh, uh, blue jeans, I think. You don't got a shirt down? Uh, <laughs> no. Okay. A t-shirt, I think. During the interview, Sheila Keen stated she was not having an affair with Michael and that she had nothing to do with Marlene's murder. I said we didn't talk personally, you know, about his personal life or my personal life. It was just business, you know, talking about finding cars and getting cars and advertising. This is a difficult issue for us because, as we told you before, and, and as remains, and even more so now, um, we're, we have more and more people telling us that the two of you had a, a very committed relationship, mm -hmm. um, and that you were you were more than just friends, mm -hmm. and that, that you were lovers, mm -hmm. specifically. And um, so we're trying, you know, we're trying to basically figure out why that that. Well, I can tell you why. It's because, exists. as far as you know, a lot of women were concerned. I know a lot of women that wanted to go out with them. And, the, you know, they still like this girl. You know, she calls every day. They thought that I was, which I wasn't. So, therefore, you know, they were automatically, you know, I don't know how they took it. But, no, we had no sexual involvement at all. And Michael, though asked many times, was just as adamant that he was not having an affair with Sheila. Obviously, that type of relationship would be very important has indicated thus on several different fronts that you and Sheila were involved with one another. No. And I, I mean, I, know, I can understand. I mean, I know you want to protect your reputation and everything, yeah. but this isn't a time to lie about no. that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to find out later that you've told us something that's not true and that you do have a relationship with Sheila. No relations, just other than friends. Never gone any further than that. No. Both Mike and Sheila were told that multiple witnesses had already been interviewed who said otherwise. Even so, they maintained that there was nothing going on between them. If you analyze what we've been told, what we found out, the evidence that we now have, because we have a lot of evidence, mm -hmm. we've recovered a lot of things that we, we think are very important in this case. Right. And if you take all that and combine it, it keeps pointing to Sheila and Mike. It isn't because that's the way it is, because that's not the way it is. Because there is, I mean, there is no me and Mike. We're just good friends. If you want to start taking friendships, I mean, you could find a hundred women that he's friends with. I'm not his only friend, woman friend. I'm sure you're right. But you seem to have a much closer relationship than most of those other women, yeah, or any of the other women that. that we know. Right. Most of the others were casual, quick relationships, mm -hmm. not lasting, serious <laughs> relationships, from what we've been able to find out. Mm -hmm. There's nothing serious about us. Mm -hmm. I'm positive, positive. 
And the thing is, Sheila had a point. As investigators spoke to witnesses who were close to Mike, it was clear that he'd had affairs with a lot of other women. How many do you know about? Uh, one, two, three. Three, definitely. Who are that? Uh, Sheila. There's a girl by the name of Susan that used to work there. And a German girl or something. Sylvia? Could be. I want to go back to that Saturday. When okay. you came into work that day and you, I asked if anything was unusual about the office. Okay. What did you find out later that day? It was, or later on? Well, I noticed just before Mike left, or at the time Mike was leaving, he had pictures of females on this one picture in the office. And um, they were like head photographs of pretty girls. And they were gone. And I didn't really even think about it until after the shooting that those were, were gone. And it looked like he had, I know he had some letters from some of the women that he was seeing in his top drawer. I don't know if those were all gone, but I saw a pile of them over by the computer in the back room like someone was gathering them together, getting rid of them. And when, when did you notice, it, notice this? It didn't dawn on me until after the shooting. But it was I that Saturday you seen the was, pictures were removed? Yeah. Two days after the shooting, Marlene died, and there was still no clear-cut answer as to who done it. The bullet that was removed from her body resembled ammunition from a 38 caliber, but there was no shell casing at the scene or murder weapon. The clown had taken the gun with him. However, the balloons and flowers had been left behind, which became the focal point of the investigation. Right away, detectives were on the phone talking to local costume shops. There weren't many, and they asked the same question. Had anyone bought a clown costume in the last week? Remember, this was a time before you could buy whatever you wanted online at any time and have it delivered. And it didn't take long for investigators to catch a break. One of the owners said that, in fact, a customer had come into the shop and bought a clown costume recently. Detectives would speak to the two employees who had actually sold the costume just a couple of days before Marlene had been shot, and they remembered the customer very well. Apparently, they just closed the shop when a woman rushed in. The clerks were like, hey, we just closed down. Can you come back tomorrow? But the woman became very insistent. She needed a clown costume right then which felt odd to the employees because it wasn't like it was anywhere near Halloween. It was May. But they acquiesced, and they watched as the woman went about picking out the clown suit, a bright red clown wig, clown makeup, and a nose. It was curious, though, because the woman stopped short of buying the clown shoes, which were available for purchase. This is an important detail because, if you'll recall during the interview with Joey, Marlene's son, he would describe the killer clown as a man who was wearing dark work boots. The woman who'd barged into the costume shop was described as tall, around 5'8", with brown eyes and long brown hair, that she wore jeans and a man's lumberjack-type long shirt, that she wasn't wearing any makeup and was described as androgynous-looking. The detective showed the employees a photo montage, and they would identify Sheila Keene as the woman who had bought the clown suit. Detectives also got lucky with the balloons and flower bouquet. It turns out that red heart-shaped foil balloon that said, you're the greatest, was actually only available for purchase at a Publix supermarket near Sheila Keene's apartment in Palm Beach County. Clerks would recall seeing a woman who had bought both the balloons and the flowers about an hour and a half before the shooting. They too would identify Sheila Keene as the customer. But when Sheila was interviewed, she categorically denied purchasing the clown costume, the flowers, or the balloons. Do you own a clown suit? I don't. <laughs> Have you 
ever purchased a costume? No. Have you ever been in a costume store? No. I've got a devil's costume that I made, as I said, years ago for Halloween. That's the only costume I've got. Another one of our little problems that we have to deal with is that a female, about your description, mm -hmm. purchased the same combination of balloons, flowers, and a costume. Mm -hmm. So we're obviously very concerned right. about assuring that you're not involved <laughs> in any way. Not me. Sure. No, positive. No doubt in your no mind. No doubt in my mind. I know that I had nothing to do with it. So it seems kind of odd, you know, your house is right around the corner and they describe the young lady mm -hmm. very similar to, to mm -hmm. you. So obviously that concerns us. Right. Oh, well, me too. And you're very close to Michael. Mm -hmm. Whether it's platonic or sexual, right. you know, only you and me know for sure. Right. A lot of people think right. that it's oh, more I than know, that. Oh, yeah. That it's not. So that's, you know, that's an area that, that we've got to explore at least. Right. And Mike's description of his loving relationship with his wife. I've never loved anybody as much as I've ever loved her in my life. Wasn't holding up under scrutiny. What do you know about their relationship? Um, that means you and Mike. I know they were having one. It was intimate. How do you know that? How do I know what? That, that, that it was intimate. <laughs> that it was intimate. Um, do we have to get into this? We really do. <laughs> we really do. Well, one Sunday morning. Don't be embarrassed. Uh, I, I couldn't believe this happened, but I walked in the door and Michael was standing behind the podium and Sheila was down below, which I didn't know at the time. And so I was just conversing with Mike and the next thing I know, Sheila popped up. So I assumed it was intimate. <laughs> you mean she was performing oral sex on Right. Okay. How long ago was this? This was, I'd say, three weeks ago Sunday. Two weeks before the homicide? Yeah. Mike worked seven days a week at the dealership. He was early to the lot in the morning and was out late into the night, hunting repos. At least that's what he told Marlene. In his police interview, Mike claimed that Marlene was like, you're having an affair, but it wasn't anything more than that. But witnesses would allege that Marlene knew Mike was having an affair and that she allegedly wanted a divorce, but was frightened. She knew that their home, car lot, and rental properties were tied up in both of their names, which meant a divorce could be messy and that she was entitled to 50-50. However, if Marlene were to die, Mike was the beneficiary of their entire estate. But Mike had made it clear during his interview with the police that he wasn't having an affair, that he loved his wife, and had nothing to do with her murder. There was no physical evidence to prove otherwise. Besides that, he had a rock-solid alibi. And as the days rolled on without an arrest, the community continued to be on edge. Everyone was talking about the bizarre crime where a well-to-do wife and mother was murdered by a person who was believed to be a man disguised as a clown. Police were tight-lipped about the investigation, which encouraged the idea that there just seemed to be no method to the madness. Could it really be true that a man dresses up as a clown and chooses to murder a woman seemingly at random? That thought in and of itself seemed to inflame fear in people, but especially those who suffer from cholerophobia. A fear of clowns. According to a piece in Scientific American, who conducted a study with a sample size of nearly a thousand people, 
53% of those participants identified as having a fear of clowns. It's believed that this fear comes from the nature of the clown costume itself, which hides the person's true identity and emotions, which was absolutely true in this case. It's also thought that the exaggerated features of a clown freak us out, that the blood-red makeup against a ghastly white face invokes a fear of death, infection, and injury. But so does a clown's unpredictable behavior. Apparently, this makes us feel uncomfortable. And of course, add to that all the movies and books which feature super psycho scary clowns. You got to remember, it was actually 1990 when the original made-for-TV miniseries, It, based on Stephen King's novel, was released. So of course, residents were concerned that some crazy clown hell-bent on killing people could just randomly show up on their doorstep and murder them for no reason just like in the movies. The case continued to make breaking news, especially on the fourth day after the shooting, when the getaway car, the white Chrysler LeBaron, would be found at a shopping center parking lot. Next time on The Murder Chronicles, part two of The Clown, could Mike's alleged criminal business dealings have gotten his wife murdered? What other types of unethical or illegal activities? Well, were? a lot in, in the rentals, as far as price jacking and making reservations for people coming south without credit cards. Both the price, and then when you got there, of course, since you were from out of state, and uh, no credit card, the deposit would be more, the insurance rates would be astronomical, anywhere from $60 a day. I've seen it over $100 a day, because you were under 25, no credit card. You have to carry our insurance. Of course, once you're here, you've come down for spring break or whatever. That's the only place you can rent a car. So he basically ripped people off. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Same thing in car sales, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of the repossessions were illegal as far as calling people and actually threatening them physically. The Murder Chronicles is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself, music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.